This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. It's time to talk some blues hockey. Welcome to the Blues NHL podcast, hosted by former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers and former Blues enforcer Darren Kimball. And we got a problem in front of the hog bench. Kimball pulling it, Ronick. Here's Kimball swinging it, Ronick wildly, and the linesman trying to get in between them. Look at Raddick, he's dropped the gloves with Rivers. The referee or the linesman should yeah. jump in here. You can't let a guy like Rivers continue to throw punches. Federico stolen from Reinhardt, breaking in the Hunter. Terjana Hall looking for 500. He shoots. He scores! Brad Hall, number 500. Tarasenko in the clear. He scores! And now, here's your off-ice official, Jim Cromer. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Thursday edition, the first snow of the year edition of your Blues NHL podcast. Uh, brought to you from the lineupmedia.fm studios, home of Yo Radio. Download it on your mobile device today. The newest streaming platform, uh, free to all the public. Uh, you're going to enjoy it. The new sleek version's out and ready to roll. Um, going to welcome in right away, uh, as he's not in studio and has left me all alone. I, I, I know the guy's got a big four-wheel drive truck. But decided not to drive over and see me today. So let's call, let's bring him in on his own celebrity line, his synergyhockeyskills.com celebrity line, Jamie Rivers. What's going on, buddy? <laughs> hey, buddy. It's, uh, it's not that I didn't want to come over there. It's not that my truck wouldn't make it over there. Uh, a little condensed on time today. And uh, as everybody knows, I don't live right around the corner from the studio. So I know. Unfortunately, this is as good as it gets, buddy. Hey, at least you're here. I mean, Kimby, you know, working one of his eight jobs or whatever it is he's doing is not with us today, but that's okay. Um, I yeah, can handle no, it. I, I can hey, handle look it. At, I understand that the big man has to, has to work. He's got to put food on the table, and uh, he makes no promises for our <laughs> Thursday show, so I we're not going to hold him to it. I know. I'm just having some fun. Well, just having a little fun today. No fun last night. Uh, Blues head into Chicago. Uh, really felt like heading out on the road would be a good opportunity for this team to to get a win against, you know, let's face it, a rival. Uh, something you could win, feel good about, you know, head out and roll. Um, last night's game, to me, pretty, like, it was interesting. I'm not going to say it was unentertaining at times. I, I it was just an interesting game all the way around. There were there were periods of uh, or points in the game. I thought we took it to him, and I thought Crawford made some unbelievable saves for him. Basically, stole a game for him. I thought the Blues played well at times, and then I thought there were times we allowed the Hawks too much space. Um, but man, we just uh, I at this juncture, I I know the fans are piling on Jaybo today. That's happened to every defenseman out there. We can talk about how he got himself into that position, but. Uh, I, I, somebody else had pointed out that if Jabo wasn't on the, you know, wasn't kicking it in, there were two Hawks players right there. But I don't know. Jabo can't catch a break right now, as it seems like everything's finding him. And I'm sure it works that way for hockey players sometimes if things aren't exactly going perfect. But in the end, the Blues got to score a goal. Uh, I understand that everybody wants to pile on Jabo, but so uh, anyway, that's kind of what I saw last night. I thought Allen uh, made some really good saves last night i i don't know i i'll let you kind of bring some people off the ledge unless you want to put them out there i guess yeah no uh look well i'll approach this with a couple of different points and the first one i'll address is just the overall game um you know it, it sucks right now because we're just not getting these games where we get the lucky bounce and you know, I thought the Blues had a, a pretty pretty solid game. You know, I won't go further than that. I won't say they played great. I won't say that they were robbed. I won't say that they were bad. Um, they had a good game. And Jake Allen, like when we really have to 
break it down here. Jake Allen didn't get beat by any of the Blackhawks shots. You know, we know how the goal went in and, and we'll address that in a second, but you know, he was solid for a guy that, you know, people have put question marks on here since the very beginning of the season and continue to. And then obviously with Chad Johnson coming in and playing well, and then everybody wants a goaltender controversy, all that crap again. Uh, I thought Jake looked pretty calm, pretty uh, relaxed in that net. You know, he wasn't too busy in there. He had a kind of a quiet night, which is good because that means he's in control of things while he's in the crease. And uh, so I, I got no issues with with Jake Allen. I don't have any issues with the Blues' defensive play. I thought they were better overall. I mean, they limited the Blackhawks to, what, 19 shots? Um, you know, that's a pretty good accomplishment. Uh, you know, they, they didn't generate a whole heck of a lot. And Crawford did have a good game, but I didn't feel like they generated enough quality chances uh, often enough. It, it kind of seemed like there was a good chance and be kind of a one and done where it didn't, it just didn't feel like they had the pressure on the Blackhawks consistently forcing Crawford to be, you know, stellar the entire game. So that's where we're at right now with this team is, you know, we had, we put together a pretty solid game defensively. Jake looks pretty solid in the net. And then unfortunately we can't find the back of the net on the other team. And it's kind of, you know, one of those things right now where I'm sure fans are looking at, well, holy shit, what else can just go wrong on a nightly basis? Or what different way can we find to not pull out a win? And, you know, that thought would be, you know, I, I don't think they're wrong for thinking that, but that's exactly what we're dealing with right now is a team that um, is fragile. And I don't mean like they don't want to make plays and they're afraid to play the game. It's just that right now they're finding ways to not win and that's a tough one um because then it's not really so much on who's in your lineup who's out of your lineup uh, it really doesn't matter and now we've seen almost every single combination available for the blues as far as guys in or out of the lineup and the results have kind of continued to hover around the same which sucks um you know and then to to dive into the one goal against that, that we give up, you know, that whole play starts, it's kind of a, a weird play. They're on the penalty kill. It puck ends up close to the blue line. And I don't really know why Joel Edmondson chose to go all the way up to the blue line. I know that on the penalty kill, you want numbers, uh, but that's usually in the corners or along the half wall where if you have a chance to shrink your penalty kill, and get two or three guys in and on the puck fight, then you do it. But you have to tread very carefully when it starts to, you know, move its way up towards the blue line. And then you really, really, really got to be careful when Patrick Kane is the guy that's up there with the puck on the blue line, and he's got Jonathan Taze down low. There's an awful lot of ways to get that puck from high to low. And when you have two of the best players in the game, no matter how old they are, um, that's a risky chance to take. And, you know, Joel kind of lingers up too high. Patrick Kane, being one of the best puck handlers in the game ever, uh, finds a way to get that down to Taze. So now that leaves poor Jabo, who, you know, we know the whole backstory on that. It leaves him in a real tough spot because it's a two-on-one two with nobody around him, and he's going to try and make a play, and he's standing somewhat still, uh, you know, the, the textbook play is to slide towards the puck handler to take away time and space, and it decreases his mathematical angles chance of saucing one over a player clean to the guy in front. Um, but he did slide and try to take it away, and he ended up, unfortunately, in the blue paint with Jake Allen, and then the puck finds a way to go off him in the net. Right now, that's Jabel's that's his world right now. If there's anything that can happen negatively or a bad bounce, unfortunately it's going to, he's a kind of a magnet for that. But you know, that play is not solely on Jay Bowmeister there. He actually makes a wise decision. He should have been sliding towards Jonathan Kays to take away time and space. Um, 
But still, nonetheless, that puck should have probably not gotten down to him clean, giving up a two-on-one down low. So, anyway, that's a long-winded summary of everything. But that's uh, that's kind of what I'm seeing. Well, uh, long-winded but very informational um, for Blues fans looking for answers right now, to be quite honest with you. Uh, there's, You know what we can't get away from here, though, Jamie, is no matter – you know, you're not making excuses for him. I'm not hearing any excuses, uh, but the, it's getting old uh, for Blues fans. It's not getting any better for Blues fans. Now we've, you know, we've we talked a little bit about the whole, you know, one step forward and like you said, maybe just one step back. But this one almost felt like two steps. Um, just not getting a win. And I got to tell you, they're in the business of winning. Um, not winning right now. Is, I mean, we, we get farther and further and further away from having a real shot of competing for a playoff spot because these games count as much as anything. And I know, you know, I know you guys have said from the beginning that, you know, 20 games, we're going to see where they're at for 20 games, but I, I can't imagine that neither you or Darren, for that matter, really thought that this is where we'd be sitting after this many games. Not even close. No, I thought that – Certainly things would be um, not so much turned around, but would have a little more consistency to them. Um, you know, like I said, they, they're, they're still finding ways to lose games. And and when I say that, it doesn't mean they're purposely trying to not do well. It just means that whether it's by, you know, by lack of good play um, or by bad bounces, whatever the circumstances might be, they're turning into losses for this team. And that's that's a tough one because then sometimes you start to feel like, shit, no matter what I do, uh, we're still losing. And then what leaks into the game then is, well, I need to do more or I need to do something different. And each player goes through that little internal battle. And then what happens is, is you know, we've the famous quote from from Army is, you know, we have a bunch of independent contractors. Well, you end up with that by default, and it's not because the players are just on their own program. It's because the players are trying to do something different just individually. So, therefore, the group seems to get more chaotic sometimes on the ice. And it's a tough one. You're kind of caught in a downward spiral, and you're trying to figure out a way to stop the, the madness. Um so these are tough times for the Blues. These are huge times for the coaching staff and huge times for the leadership group. Uh, they have to find a fire extinguisher and not necessarily put the blaze out because we're not there yet, but they have to look at finding the little wee fires that are happening and put those out and try to keep this group focused on playing the same way every night and just continuing to increase you know, their intensity level and their consistency rather than just going off on their own program. Well, um, I'm going to ask you a couple tough questions here in just a second, but I want to remind everybody to check us out at bluesnhlpodcast.com. Subscribe to the show there. It's free. It takes about 30 seconds. Do your Amazon shopping. It takes care of our friends uh, Brian Crock and Andrew Allen, who do so much work behind the scenes. Find us on Twitter, at STL Blues Podcast. If you're a Blues fan and you follow us, we're going to follow you back. The big push is Facebook for us. Uh, type in Blues NHL Podcast. Like the page. Follow follow us there. Click invite your friends. Get all your Blues fans in on it. Uh, but more importantly, on Mondays and Thursdays, the show is typically out by 5 and, and pinned. If you will like that pinned post, comment on um, Get involved in the conversation. But more importantly, share it. You'll be eligible for some wonderful prizes that will be given out throughout the season. And, of course, you can find us on Instagram at Blues NHL Podcast. Uh, special thanks to our partners, uh, of course, InnovativeCompanies.com. Uh, special thanks to Randy Green, as always, and his wonderful four companies underneath the one umbrella, construction, heating and cooling, electric, and uh, the plumbing team. Uh, 35 years experience, second-generation craftsman, man of his word. Thank you so much. Um, happy to have him always be a part of this. Our good friend Jamie Rivers, and, of course, on his SynergyHockeySkills.com hotline. Um, as always, bringing, uh, bringing the celebrities to us, which is himself. So, good stuff. Okay, so, um, Jamie, you mentioned leadership group. Um, that's, you know, the leadership group takes a, takes a hit all the time from social media. Um, the reality of it is I don't really know how you 
climb out of this thing other than somebody somewhere somehow has to step up and say, hey, you know, to your point, why are we at times independent contractors? Why are we doing what we're doing? Um, we know that this is a day and age of video. It's not hard to to look at some of the things that go on. I, I can't imagine you're a guy that has worked with everybody from current NHLers all the way down to eight-year-old kids and or younger kids. And when a kid does something or a pro player does something, it's right there on videotape. Um, how do you address that with pro players and say, hey, what are, what are we doing? How does that how does that work behind the scenes for the average fan to kind of get an understanding for how it goes? Well, the number one thing is consistency with the coaching. Um, and all that means is that the message never changes and the standard never changes. Now, that doesn't mean the players respond to it. It doesn't mean they understand it. It doesn't mean they, um, you know, they're able to even go out and do it the way you want it. But the messaging and the standard can never change. So when you have those video sessions, you have to continuously pound home what the message is or what our strategy is or what our team philosophy is and, and all the things that we do. And the players know what that is. They have meetings at the start of the season. They have uh, systems books that they have as reminders. They have practices that are you know, completely dedicated to systems and strategies. Mm -hmm. uh, so the message and, and, and the standard, I don't believe has changed. And that's all you can do as a coach. It's hard because you don't just get to um, change everything, right? Like you have a certain amount of players that you can interchange. There's usually a couple of extra guys, maybe two guys that you can work in with the healthy scratch situation. But even that's such a fine line because you have to take into consideration that if you healthy scratch a guy as punishment, he may not react the right way. The group may not react the right way. And I know the mentality is, well, screw that. They're paid. That's what they're supposed to do. And if they don't like it, too bad. Okay, yeah, you're not wrong. However, they're still kind of, uh, you know, they're kind of in a pickle because you're only allowed so many contracts. You're only allowed so much in dollars spent with the, with the salary cap. And you're like, what do you do now, right? So it's not the point where, you can just be a hard ass all the freaking time. And, and then just like, it's my way or the highway. The game has changed in that respect. And players have a certain amount of uh, leeway within their game, but that doesn't mean, you know, going back to the original point, that doesn't mean that the standard or the message has to change. And sometimes it takes longer. Uh, you know, sometimes it takes more individuals buying in at different times and leadership group. And everybody loves to talk about, you know, Oh, let's take the C from Petrangelo. Well, guess what, everybody, there's only one guy in my career that was a, a captain of all captains. And that was Steve Eiserman and every other team I was on. It was a group of leaders. And even Steve Eiserman had a group of veteran guys every year that helped him lead that team now, he was the head honcho, um, but every other team I've been on, whether a guy wears a C, an A, or no letter at all, there's leadership guys in the room. So I'm tired of hearing the argument of, pull the C off Petrangelo. It's really not going to make a lick of difference. It's not going to make a fucking difference at all because the leadership group that's in that locker room is still going to be the leadership group. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't matter that there's a letter on someone's jersey. And so apart from aesthetically pleasing to some people just to get that reward of, yeah, we pulled the C off his chest. Well, then what? He's still going to have a voice in that locker room. O'Reilly's still going to have a voice in that locker room. Braden Shen, Alex Steen. So whatever group of guys you have in there that's leading your team, along with the coaching staff, like that's all the still the same right now. And so when you do it in the videos and you're doing all everything else, you have to have the buy-in from the entire team on what the standard is. And you just got to keep pounding it home. Um, you know, if that doesn't work ultimately and it continues to fail, well, then there's probably other decisions that have to be made. Um, and whether that's personnel changes, whether that's front office changes, I don't know. 
But I do know for a fact that if you start getting wishy-washy and changing systems and changing things all the time to try to, you know, catch up to the fire, there's no chance of doing it. The fire will just run right through your team and you're done. Well, uh, boy, you jumped the the gun on me there. We had a a really good question from um, had a really good question from a follower uh, that I thought he 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 handled it the right way. You know, uh, Nathan at I M Z Nathan. Um, you know, and his question was, you know, uh, do you think a change in that leadership would make it? I mean, he used the San Jose Sharks. Uh, thing as an example uh, when they took the C yeah, from Thornton. Yeah, but do you Thornton, think the San Jose Sharks changed because Joe Pavelski wears the C and Joe Thornton wears an A? Like, really, th- think about the way that team talks. All they talk about is Jumbo Joe and yeah. how much him and Marlowe were leaders. and They didn't need a freaking C on their jersey. And let's be honest, the C got moved over to Pavelski because he had longer term and he could be there longer because Thornton and Marlowe we're coming to the end of their deals and they weren't sure if they're going to re-sign them. So aesthetically you can do that. And all that would be doing is pleasing all the people who are, you know, being boisterous on social media and the fans that are upset and that want their pound of flesh, but it really wouldn't change anything within that locker room. Well, and that's, you know, and again, I, this gentleman wasn't being ignorant about it. He was really saying like, you know, is, would this help? Um, and I don't know. I, I'm sure there's people out there who want to pin this on Petrangelo. He's not captain material. He's single-handedly not pulling him out of this. Or maybe it's Mike Yo. The bottom line is the, the Blues are in a spot right now where that's what this has become is finger-pointing. Uh, Blues fans want answers. They want, you know, they were, I'm not going to, sold a bill of goods is a bad thing. I think Doug Armstrong did a great job in the offseason. I think the Blues ownership group has done an amazing job of trying to give Blues fans what they want and deserve. Uh, the players just, bottom line, they just they just haven't gotten it done. I, and, I, you know, I don't hate anybody over that. I know that there are some fans that are pretty upset. But in the end, this is a, I hate to say this, but this is an awfully good group of collective talent. I, now, while I can't see this going on forever, uh, I, and again, we're back to the 20-game thing. I mean, there does come a point of no return at some juncture that is almost insurmountable. I don't know what that number is. And, uh, of course, a 10-game winning streak cures a lot of ills, but um, uh, they're not going to give up. I mean, you know, they're going to go to the next game here. I believe it's in Vegas, and, you know, they're going to they're gonna give 100% and hopefully start some sort of road winning streak. Uh, I don't know if uh, I, some fans say, hey, you know, how about a – how about a Braden Shen style right off the hop? Somebody grab somebody and beat the hell out of somebody or somebody do this or, or you know, bench this guy, do this. I, I, you know, do, do you feel from your experience that is any of that going on behind the scenes? Are, are guys grasping for straws, even management to that degree? Like, I don't know what else to do here. Or, or, or is that not in their nature? Well, no, I think that it's human nature. I'm not saying it's not in their nature or it is. I think it's just human nature to show up to work when things are not rolling the right way and look for things that you can change to make them better. Um, I mean, that's what being a coach and general manager is all about is finding ways to make your team better and give them a chance to win. Now the players have to execute that. And, you know, some guys are, some guys aren't. And I think that, that's the biggest obstacle right now is that really we've had few and far between games that everyone seems to be pulling in the same direction. And it's, it's not that there's guys that are on their own program or don't want success for the team. They do. It's just that maybe they're not going about it the right way. Maybe they're not working within the group the right way. Maybe they're not playing a system or playing the system the right way. And, I understand everybody wants their pound of flesh, right? When things aren't going good, we want to strip the captain, fire the coach, trade players, burn the building down. Like, everybody's, like, so angry because they want the direct, immediate change and change of results. I understand that because people are passionate about the Blues. And look, we never won a Stanley Cup, and it's been a long time, to say the least. And the team that's been put together here uh, looked very promising. And I think people 
were of the assumption that it was time to order the rings or at least get sized for them before we even hit the ice. And, you know, sometimes it doesn't work that way. Honestly, sometimes it takes a year, a season, to take this group and figure out, ultimately, you know, is this, the, is this exactly the right group to, that we have or is it not? And if it's not, then, you know, maybe a guy like Tyru and Sammy Blair are in the picture for next year in more prominent roles. And guys who didn't get the job done that are here now are no longer here. Like, sometimes it takes a year or two of, you know, fiddle farting with your lineup to get it the right way. I'm not suggesting it will take that long. I know people listening are probably like, Jesus Christ, we're back in the rebuild mode. Well, no, we're not. It's just that it's a damn good hockey league. And we're seeing that on a nightly basis, teams are competitive. There's nobody that's ever out of anything. And as bad as things have appeared to be for the Blues, like they're two wins away from putting themselves back in a playoff spot. I know it sounds crazy, but it's true. If you look at the standings and the games in hand, like they're right there on the bubble of the wild card area. So if they're lucky enough and able enough to string even a three-game win streak together, it puts them back in the discussion. And, you know, so I'm not ready to uh, burn the house down and just that's it, I'm done. Uh, And I know uh, there's been ups and downs. Even on this show, we've been emotionally up and down about things this year and how it goes. And I just think that we're in a spot now where, you know, this is your team. Uh, this is your leadership group. Uh, and we're going to have to try and figure it out internally. There's no answer behind door number one or door number two uh, to upgrade your team. It just isn't. What are you going to do? You're a cap team. Who are you going to add without getting rid of a major piece? I mean, it just doesn't, it's just not going to happen. So, the, the answers are in that locker room. The answers are behind that bench. And these guys are going to have to fucking figure it out. Um, I, I got to tell you, I mean, obviously you played a long time, played on numerous teams. Have you personally ever found yourself in a situation like this? Oh, fuck, yeah. I mean, there's so many teams that I played on that we were, you know, picked to be a great team and struggled. And But, you know, a lot of that was times when there was no salary cap. So you could logistically go out and pick a guy off waivers, make a trade that didn't make any sense at all, where you literally gave up a fourth rounder and bring in a million and a half worth of salary. It didn't matter. And then now now you had this competition that brewed, and guys were way more expendable back then. So you could turn your roster around in a week. But you can't do that now. Because who are you going to trade with? There's no dance partners available. There's so many teams that are up against the cap or have younger players that they have to get signed and whatnot that it's more of a strategy than ever now to build from the draft and strategically sign the right free agents in the offseason. Because let's be honest, hockey trades don't really happen. I mean, even if you look at L.A. and Pittsburgh making that trade Tanner Pearson for Carl Hagelin, well, in order to make that trade happen – Jimmy Rutherford has to eat a small portion of it, 250000 back on his books because the Kings are so up against the salary cap that they couldn't make that trade happen otherwise. So, you know, yeah, I've been through this a lot in different ways where we're on teams that exceeded expectations, on teams that, you know, didn't play up to expectation, but times have changed. The salary cap and the way that this thing is run – um, has changed the game drastically. And now whatever team you have when you start the season is usually the same exact team you have ending the season, barring maybe a couple of little injuries. But even then, you're pulling up from your minor league team. You're not pulling out from other teams. Well, and that was going to be the next thing I was going to bring up. So once you get to that point and you start looking at your team and you start saying, okay, we're, you know, the, you know what, what? What do we do? What you know? What, we got to do something. So then you start grasping at straws. And, and again, I know that these guys get paid to not freak out like we freak out as as fans, so to speak. But <laughs> but the reality of it is, I'm sure they look at everything. I'm sure they look at everything from the 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 top guy all the way down to the the, the you know the guy in the press box, and then down in the minor leagues. And 
you know, you start thinking to yourself, okay, well, you know, is there somebody down there that can make a difference up here? And you brought up Cairo, and I know uh, Costin's getting a lot of social media play right now. He seems to be finally starting to find his game a little bit down at San Antonio. But, I, I mean, we talk now, to be quite honest, about how we can't even get – I mean, if if not for Braden Shen getting hurt, Robert Thomas, who's played better lately, can't even get top six minutes. Um, so I don't know that that's the answer unless you want to start making some real dramatical changes. And it's it's funny how in one breath we're not doing well, but in another breath we keep saying, well, it's not this guy, it's not this guy, it's not this guy, we're not going to move this guy, we're not going to change this. What are we going to change? I mean, this, this is a tough one. This I, I think to your point, and you brought it up, and I'm glad you did, the salary cap really prohibits you from making any just off-the-cuff drastic changes. But even within your lineup, it's hard to find playing time for the right guys. Well, yeah. I mean, and that's the ultimate thing is, like you said, most of the time your guys in the minors, um, if they're coming up, they're your best players in the minors, which means they're top six forward or top four defensemen. So then you're going to have to subtract – a top six forward or a top four D to find playing time for those guys, because putting them in another role is just sort of, you know, putting a square peg in the round hole. Uh, you know, we saw Robert Thomas playing on the fourth line to start the year. And, and that, that whole idea of having a skilled fast line, fourth line, not saying it didn't work, but the minutes were so little that it was hard to tell if it worked or not. And so, you're calling up these young guys like then you're literally turning your team upside down because who are you going to put in those bottom six spots or the bottom D pair? It's very difficult. So once again, going back to my original thought on this is this is your roster. This is it. Like barring a major injury, there's no more shakeups coming. Uh, So the answers when, when coaches and general managers and captains and people on the team say, you know, the answers are here in this room. We have to figure out this room. They're not wrong. They're 100% right because that's exactly what they have to do is figure it out in that room because there is no cavalry coming in to save them. Well, and then this is something that I know that you get uh, a ton on. When you come into this situation, who usually takes the fall because it's easier to replace one guy than it is to replace 25 when you realistically can't? So then, and you, you know, is Mike Yo then unfairly the one feeling the brunt of this, not only from social media uh, and fans, but, you know, ultimately do a lot of coaches unfairly, and I don't want to say unfairly because I think everybody knows what they're doing when they sign up for this, but I think a lot of coaches sometimes get fired because it's the, easy, it's the lesser of the two evils. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Well, it's the easiest thing to do. Yeah. It is. I mean, if what you do when you fire a coach – is you're giving um, your fans or your critics their pound of flesh because now they're like, yes, we've got something. They've done something, right? And so all you've done is you've satisfied them. And, yeah, you may have six, seven players that are on their own program that just can't get on board or that aren't producing or they're playing awful defensively or a goalie that can't stop a beach ball. I mean, all these things come into it, right? But guess what? It's easier to get rid of one guy than it is five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten players. And so, yeah, by default, the coach takes it. I mean, look at Joel Quenville's situation. Let's just isolate that with the Chicago Blackhawks. I mean, is there anything more a coach could possibly do for an organization than what Joel Quenville did for ten years? I don't think there is. And is it Joel Quenville's fault that these contracts got signed? No. Is it Joel Quenville's fault that they really had nothing coming up to the minors or that they've drafted? No, not his fault. But guess who ultimately fell on the sword for all this? Joel Quenville did. And I just use him as an example because we're very familiar with the Blackhawks organization and their players and all that by default because of how much we've played them and how much we see of them on national TV and all that stuff. So, you know, just using that as an example – you're firing a Hall of Fame coach, second winningest coach of all time, three Stanley Cups as a head coach, one Stanley Cup as an assistant coach, but all of a sudden he's not a good coach anymore. Like, yeah, right. Like, come on. I mean, it has nothing to do with that. It's 
an easy way out for the organization to try to change direction, to buy themselves some time, to either speed up the process of developing their younger guys. Uh, it's a it's a great way. It's a great distraction. And so, you know, is Mike Yell at risk? Yeah, he is. Every coach is. Every single night, they're at risk. And unfortunately, when there's bad bounces, uh, bad streaks to where you're not winning a lot of hockey games, to where it looks like you may not be getting the most out of your players, whether that's the coach's fault or not, it doesn't matter. It falls on his shoulders. So even if there's a group of players that just don't respond, that don't get it, they don't understand the systems, they're unwilling to play the systems, guess what? It comes back to the coach because it's the easiest way out. And that's unfortunate sometimes because, as I mentioned just a minute ago, sometimes it's not the coach, but he's going to fall on the sword anyways. Well, and to be quite frank, too, uh, as you mentioned, um, there's no salary cap for for the coach change. I mean, you know, that's something you can do without any repercussion other than writing a check. I mean, it's, you know. Well, it is, but that's the, you know what, like, here's the thing is our ownership in St. Louis has been incredible. And they have spent to the cap. They've, you know, ne- they haven't chinced at all. But this is a peculiar one because I can guarantee you that if they do go in a different direction, um, you know, look at the Chicago's. They have deep, deep pockets. So Joel Quenville makes $6 million this year, $6 million next year. The Blackhawks have such bags of money available that they can afford to make that move. And I'm not saying the ownership in St. Louis doesn't have a lot of money. They do. But they also have spent a lot of money to keep this team competitive, to give the fans a great experience, do everything that they can. So eating a contract just because it's time to eat a contract, that's not easy. And, yeah, there's no salary cap, but that's real money that comes out of the ownership's pockets. And if you bring somebody else in, we'll double that money. And we kind of went over this a couple weeks ago as where – you know, you want to bring in another head coach, you're looking at a minimum of a million, a million and a half uh, for anybody. And then if you really work your way up the, the charts, you're looking at three, four, five, six million. And then what? You know, he's going to want to bring at least one assistant coach with him. Maybe he's a four or five hundred thousand guy. Uh, so you're buried up to your eyeballs in coaches salaries. And now you're having to skimp somewhere else or take money from somewhere else to cover that. So as easy as it sounds in theory, uh, in your wallet, it hits you a little harder. Oh, yeah, somebody's writing those checks. And, of course, it's easy for us to sit over here and go, well, just write them. You know, I, I, I get that for sure. <laughs> um, well, we'll see what happens. To your point, this is this is your team, um, you know, and you've got a group of men in that room, and I know you've been in that situation on both sides that, you know, I, I – I don't believe for one minute they don't care. Uh, I know some fans sometimes, well, oh, these guys are getting, they're mailing it in. They're not doing it. I don't believe that. I don't think anybody that plays at that level can, 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 can do that. I just don't know that it's in their DNA. Now, that's not to say that some guys don't. I just don't see it. I see some things going on. You know, last night, uh, a couple things that I want to touch on before I get you out of here. Um, I, 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 it was interesting to see this last night. Um, I do believe that since – and not that he hasn't been guilty of times of, of uh, you know, I'm not going to say coasting through a game, but there have been times where he's disappeared. And let's face it, he makes a lot of money. He's a quote-unquote superstar. We expect a lot from him. He expects a lot from himself. You know, Vladimir Tarasenko has been outspoken at times. And I think since, I don't know what it was, maybe a couple weeks ago, I think he's played really hard. I've seen him play harder than I've seen him play at times. That's not to say he's perfect. That's not to say every shift is perfect. But, man, he really endeared himself to some Blues fans last night when he stood in front of that open net and let – was it I don't uh, was it Kane or somebody just rip away at him? And, uh, you know, to sh- he showed some heart, which I think was a positive from the game. I don't know about you, but if you want to touch on Vladdy and his effort level lately, I think that's something that some fans have noticed, uh, and, which is a positive thing. Yeah, no, I agree. You know, um, I think that – our fan base and media and everyone alike uh, has expected a certain level from Vladdy from day one. Um, you know, and we certainly gotten a lot of that offensive stuff out of him, a lot of goals, a lot of offense, but I, I had yet to see where we were maybe getting the full package 
from Vladdy. And I feel like this year, you know, barring the first couple of weeks, um, I think he's given us the full package. I mean, I'm watching him battle for pucks. I'm watching him play defense. I'm watching him lose his teeth and skate back over and pick them up and have to give them to the trainer and then go back out there for more. So I don't know if there's much more that this individual can do. Uh, You want to talk leadership group. You know, he's a guy that's part of your leadership group. And obviously he's not going to be a huge vocal guy all the time. But I think his actions, uh, you know, speak volumes. And I'm happy with Laddie right now, you know. And I just think that right now we're in a tough stretch because, you know, it's not that guys, like you said, guys don't show up to the rink and and say, I'm just not going to play well tonight or I don't give a shit. They get there and sometimes when things aren't going right, they start to drift off. And what I mean by that is, they are trying shit that they shouldn't be trying. They're doubting themselves on plays. They're doubting the system that they're playing in, and they look for other ways to do it. And that's when it just it, it all starts to fall apart is when, you know, like I said earlier, it's not independent contractor, but when everybody starts thinking independently, trying to help the group, it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to help the group that way. And it's tough, but... You know, if we want to isolate Vladdy, I, I couldn't be happier right now. I'd like to see him put more pucks in the net. Obviously, we can always nitpick, but, um, you know, I feel like his effort has been there. Yeah, I I, I will say this. Um, you know, a lot of guys, I think, have, have given us an unbelievable effort this year. Um, I, I'm not – this isn't a call-out session for guys that I don't think have. I, I just think Vladdy has taken a little bit of a hit in the past, and that's why I wanted to bring it up. Um, uh, another thing that I want yeah, to – Yeah, we've been hard on him before. So sure. Fuck, we, we've got to be honest with everybody, and, and when he's doing well, we got to talk about it. Um, the, the real thing, though, that I want you to touch on before you go is you mentioned it earlier, the, everybody wants a pound of flesh. Um, it came up last night. I kind of tweeted something out. I, I you know – I'll let you give a pound of flesh about your thoughts when it comes to ice hockey, uh, you know, NHL refereeing. Um, There were some interesting things that went on last night. Somebody tweeted at us that this particular referee, the Hawks are eight and one when he refs. Um, You know, I I, I will say that watching the game last night and watching some things that went on, I, I, I understand. And I understand the whole quote unquote conspiracy theory sometimes. And it does seem like, that I, I always say, though, that we only pay attention to the things that happen to us. We don't pay attention to some of the calls that could have went against us. Like last night, obviously, the hot topic was, you know, uh, uh, in the third period, Fabry takes a cross check in the back and goes face first into the boards right in front of a referee. No call. Five minutes later, uh, we take a ticky-tack retaliatory penalty from from Edmondson. Um you know, I, I will say that while it sure looked like a pretty good play at first by Pareko on the play coming down the other way, there's no doubt they could have called a penalty on Pareko there. I mean, he completely grabbed the guy and threw him down. Um, so I think we only see the things we want to see sometimes. So I'm not on the bandwagon of the refs are out to screw the Blues. I think the refs just aren't very good, which leads me to believe – just like in other sports, when we see it, we think they're bad, but they're not as bad as we think they are. It tells me that roughing a hockey game is probably harder than we think it is, probably because of the speed and how quick everything moves and the turning of bodies and things like that. But we do see a high stick to Vladdy, no call. We see a stick, you know, we see a cross check in the back, face first into the boards, no call. And then we get a ticky tack call. I, I, I don't know what to make of that, but people want a pound of flesh from the refs too. So why don't you address your thoughts as a guy that played in the league, a guy that knows a lot of these referees. I can't even imagine the conversations you've had with them. Why don't you give us your take on refereeing in the NHL? Wow. Um, Well, first off, um, yeah, the game happens extremely fast and it's to watch it on TV and to see the calls and whatnot, it's really easy to be a referee with the bird's eye view uh, of things like that. And, and I'm just going to throw this out there. Don't be surprised 
in the future if you start seeing one ref on the ice and one ref up in the press box because and I know it sounds crazy but there's lots of things that are so easy to see from up there um and that's just a crazy concept that I just thought I'd throw out there and and blow everybody's mind up for a minute um yes you've but, done that by the way go ahead <laughs> yeah um <laughs> But yeah, it's it's a hard game to call. Things happen extremely fast, and they're so scrutinized because the special teams are such a huge part of the game now that one power play can swing a game, the momentum, or change the outcome completely. Uh, I will say this, though, that there has been a tremendous amount of turnover in the NHL with referees, and they're they're hard on these guys. They are evaluated every single game. There's reports that get written. There's emails the following day that go out, and there's a grading system that they're on. So all these games that we watch, and you know, we just watch the Blues, but the league has referee supervisors that watch every single game and go over the score sheets the next day and see which refs are calling which penalties, how often they call them, you know, how many times are they wrong? How many times are they right? I mean, when we talk about analytics, there's analytics for everybody now, including the referees and linesmen. So, um, you know, to go into the the, the referee that's, you know, the Blackhawks are 8-1 and one with them, that's just a coincidence because, you know, there's way too much data available out there. These referees are scrutinized way too much to have the league put a guy in a situation where they think that, you know, he's biased in any way. And certainly with that one ref, what a handful of years ago that got busted in the NBA for betting on games and determining the outcomes, I can guarantee you that uh, the NHL is, is going through all of their stuff for the fine tooth comb, making sure that, you know, not that there's any refs that would be biased, but certainly that there's no funny business going on. Um, yeah, is, is refereeing uh, up to par? No, probably not, but because there is such a turnover lately, I know that there's been emails that have gone out to hockey players that are playing in the East Coast Hockey League, that are playing in the American Hockey League, that might be you know, 27, 28, uh, and maybe no chance at the NHL, and now they're trying to recruit these guys to become referees because they they definitely want to improve the product and going through – Former players who play at a high level might be a way to do it. Um, I do think that today's referee has far less communication with the players, which makes it harder for the players to get a read on what that guy's personality is or what he may or may not be calling. And with the two-referee system, it's weird because you get two polar opposites sometimes in personality and in what they see. And it's a crapshoot. So like you said, you end up with a high stick that goes uncalled, and then you get the ticky-tacky little shit that gets called, and you're like, what the hell? Where's the consistency? Well, guess what? There's two guys on the ice calling the penalties, so where could the consistency possibly be? Uh, I don't see it, right? So that's why I throw that brain buster out there of guy in the press box and one guy on the ice. And, you know, like these guys can communicate. They can figure out something to where – there's calls that can be made, and then the official that's on the ice, uh, at least he might be able to be consistent, and the players know what they're dealing with. I don't know. The, the, you know, the age-old question of refereeing and getting fucked over by refs will always be there. Is there a solution? Probably not, ultimately. Um, but the refs are just as shitty for a lot of other teams. We just don't see it. And that's always been my stance, but I do find it you know, comical when you have stuff like that happen. Like, I think a lot of fans are hoping, and I do think, be, I mean, like, like you said, there is communication. They look at it every game. So, like, will will this group get an email today that basically has a? I'm sure it's a. I'm sure it's an email and then with clips of what they see and like, hey, like, hey, what the fuck are you doing? This happened right in front of you. You didn't call it. This guy took a stick in the face right here, and then you're going to call this? Come on. I mean, is that? But I'm sure they're. But. You know, I'm basically taking it. No, from they a go plate. through that process. They do have, um, they do have video that they go through. They have clips that they're sent. They do have conference calls and video chats that they get on. These guys are held accountable. They really are. Now, just like anything else, right? Like you can't go back and change the call. 
So as much as you want to go over the video and talk about what they were seeing or tell them how they should have seen it differently, it doesn't matter. It doesn't change what's already happened. All you can hope for is that in the future, the calls get more consistent and that the refereeing stays at a high level. Well, you know, what is interesting is um, I, I do I do think that when you do something, and, and again, I, you can touch on this and this, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of end with this because this is where it's taken us. Whether you're a player, and, and I found this to be true with everything, whether you're a player or a referee or anything, I think, you know, can be talked about confidence and the Blues trying to, once they can realize some consistency and confidence in their game, you're probably going to see a better overall game from them and allow them to take their game to another level and really take off. I think that applies to everything, and I don't know. I think referee and hockey games would be really hard if you're getting an email every night scrutinizing everything you do because then instead of instinctively doing what it is you're supposed to be really good at, I think you find yourself second-guessing yourself all the time. So I, I'm sure it's not – while we sit here and say, well, you know what, though? They're paid to be referees. I'm sure it's not as easy as we would li- think it is, and that's just reality. No, it isn't, and it's – it's much like uh, police officers in the modern day where they have the body cams and all this stuff is you're continuously being evaluated on everything you do. And you know what? It is difficult sometimes to just go with your gut instinct or your natural instinct, knowing that everything you're doing is being scrutinized. And whether it's good, bad or not, that's the world we live in right now. That's what we have to deal with. We have to deal with being evaluated on every single thing we do. Nobody can hide anymore. Obviously, we're seeing that with, you know, cops with uh, body cams, dash cams, Uber drivers selling recordings, you know, camera phones, TV, DVRs, you name it. You cannot hide anymore. So uh, these guys have a job to do, and if they're being scrutinized, then it's up to them to find a way to get better, be more consistent, or guess what? I can tell you what, Crohn's, they'll have the next up-and-comer in the NHL next year, trying to, just like they do with players, they'll take a referee and try to develop him, and hopefully he'll be better than the last guy. So it's a very difficult world we live in, and certainly when you're in a position like that where uh, you're never the good guy, you're always the bad guy no matter what because somebody hates your guts, uh, that's a tough job. Well, um, I'm sure that – I'm sure, too, that um, it probably means a lot to our listeners that – you know, because you you are involved in a lot of this kind of stuff behind the scenes, like knowing the the ins and outs. As you make it your business to always talk to people and ask questions, but knowing that they are evaluated um, and that they you know they are accountable. I don't know. I think that's the number one thing. Is I think people wish they were part of that accountability. Like people, to your point, want a pound of flesh, right? Like yeah, they're like, never going to get that though. Yeah, I mean you, you know, know stand never there to get that day to where fans can predict or be privy to the referee's scorecard or evaluation. It's just not going to happen that way because, honestly, Jim, just like we talked about and you were just touching on with the pound of flesh is then you'll end up with a referee in chief who's just trying to satisfy different masses of people rather than actually independently evaluating these guys. So, uh, unfortunately, we'll never see the scorecards. Well. As long as we see a better product on the ice, that's all I care about. And it is good to at least hear from you that they're trying. And I do stand by what I've said a hundred times over. I've watched lots of hockey games, um, not just Blues games. And I do think, to be quite honest, I think a lot of Blues fans just watch Blues games. And that's probably okay. It's not You don't see it on TV as much as you do the NFL or, or whatever. So you're, you are limited sometimes to just seeing Blues games. I promise you, if you watch an NHL game played between two other teams, like last night, as soon as the Blues game was over, you know, uh, Vegas was on, um, guess what? There were some missed calls in that game. There were some bad calls in that game. They happened to everybody. So um, great stuff, man. I appreciate you taking the time today. I know you were really busy, and I was just giving you a little crap about not driving over. I, I knew you weren't. I just – Having a little fun with you since I feel all alone in my studio here. But thanks to you and your wonderful uh, SynergyHockeySkills.com, we have the celebrity line. Uh, before you go, uh, the holidays are fast approaching, and I know you have camps, and obviously you always do your your, your regular training schedules, but I'm sure uh, you had some stuff going on, so why don't you give our listeners a quick update on what's going on with Synergy Hockey Skills, and I'll let you get out of here. 
Yeah, no, we're looking at um, putting together a couple of different holiday camps, uh, one right after the Christmas holiday and one right after New Year. So uh, we have not solidified those dates. We're still working on it with some of the local ranks, but uh, certainly we'll get it out there soon. And keep checking the website, synergyhockeyskills.com, and we will make sure that it's front and center when we get it organized, and uh, there'll be great little stocking stuffers for some of the minions around that are wanting to play some hockey. Well, I certainly appreciate you uh, taking time out of your day, as I know you're busy, to uh, to join me here and talk about some, some stuff. We'll get it going. Hopefully, uh, next game, when we head to Vegas, uh, maybe start a winning streak, and then uh, the show can take a, a, a more positive turn. How about that? Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. So yeah. Hopefully, the boys can give us something fun to talk about. I was going to say, at this rate, story time with uh, Uncle Uncle Jamie and, and Uncle Kimby is, is almost turning into the highlight of the shows these days. So um, <laughs> we'll see what happens, I guess. But you take care, and I'm uh, assuming I'll see you. Well, I guess we need to hear from Kimby about the schedule next week, but I'll either see you Monday or Thursday, my friend. You got it, buddy. Thanks a lot, man. All right. That is Jamie Rivers joining us on the SynergyHockeySkills.com celebrity line. Um, you know, great answers. You can always count on him to tell it like it is. I especially liked his answer. And, again, it's his opinion, but he's been in the rooms before and, and knows how it rolls. Um, you know, the captaincy thing has been, let's face it, the captaincy thing and stripping the C off Petro and giving it to this guy – and it's been a hot topic. I know last year there was the quote-unquote divided room, the Steen clan versus the Petrangelo clan. You know, they're all part of this. They all got to be looking at each other in the room going, what do we got to do here? So I thought his comments on that were fantastic, and I appreciate it. Love the thoughts on the, the refereeing. is always always an interesting topic. Uh, some take it a lot more to account than others, but in the end it is what it is, so good stuff there. And really, at the end of the day, the Blues stand – on their own accord, on their own merit, um, they are going to have to turn this thing around. And I don't know that, I don't know that there's anything. I don't know that there's anything we can do other than just continue to support them. And maybe you feel like they don't deserve your support. You've given it to them forever, but I, you know, I've been a fan as long as I can remember um, since I was a little kid, and I'm 49 years old now. So I, I promise you, I've been a Blues fan for over 40 years. So. Uh, I, like you, <laughs> have not experienced the Stanley Cup and have had heartache. And But they've given me a lot of great memories, too, and I still enjoy uh, the Blues. And I can't fault the ownership group. I mean, they have tried to give us everything uh, we need. Uh, you know, sooner or later, it would be nice for us to, to develop or draft that elite guy. Um, we've seen other teams benefit from it. Uh, you know, a Sidney Crosby, an Ovechkin, a Connor McDavid. Um, you know, the Blues have, you know, had, you know, the, you know, you look back at the whole Eric Johnson thing and, you know, it didn't work out. And it's just, you know, um, sometimes you need some things to go your way. Sometimes you need a little luck. Sometimes you need to make good decisions. Sometimes you need to have guys uh, over overplay their expectations some guys to overperform some guys to step up but uh again as a fan I, you know you love them it's like family sometimes and and I understand the the people getting upset and and you know the word <laughs> seems like the phrase from today was the pound of flesh when you hear that thing it really makes a lot of sense cuz that's what it is right now people want their pound of flesh cuz they're not happy and i think the expectations from the off season have really fueled this but um, you know, uh, we'll see what happens. The, 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 uh, the season is still early, but yet every game does count. And, um, they got a very short window here to get this thing turned around or it could be a lost season. I want to thank everybody for joining us. Don't forget, check us out. BluesNHLpodcast.com. Subscribe to the show. Do your shopping on Amazon. Uh, find us on Twitter at STL Blues Podcast. If you're a Blues fan and follow us, we're going to follow you back. Don't forget our Facebook contest that we have going on. Blues NHL Podcast. Type it in the search bar. Like our page. Click invite your friends. Invite them all or just invite your blues friends. We'd love them to be part of our community there. Mondays and Thursdays, the show's out by 5 and pinned. There, there's a pinned post on Facebook by 5 o'clock on Mondays and Thursdays. We're going to ask that you like that post. Throw a little comment on it. Uh, we can have a conversation through there if you want. Uh, if you comment on it, we're going to reply back and give you our thoughts. And we can talk about it as much as you want. Or you can just throw a very simple comment on it. The important thing is that you then share it and you, you're eligible for the prizes that we're going to be giving away throughout the this, this season. Every time you do it, 
your name goes in a pile. So if you do it every Monday and Thursday, like some of you do do, that's two entries every week. And then um, we're coming up here on the first thing. I know Jamie's uh, working on something that we can give away, hopefully for the holidays here, a couple things. So uh, make sure you're doing that and you are eligible. Uh, if you like and comment on it and don't share, you're not eligible. You got to like, you got to comment, you got to share. Uh, find us on Instagram, Blues NHL Podcast. You can also find us as part of lineupmedia.fm. They're a wonderful network. Home now to Yo Radio. You're going to want to download that on your mobile device. It's free. The new version's out. It's very sleek, very handy. Leave them a review. They'd greatly appreciate it. But it is free right now uh, in the mobile app store for your mobile device. Um, to our partners, couldn't do this show without you. Uh, Randy Green, InnovativeCompanies.com, construction, heating and cooling, electric and plumbing team now all underneath that one umbrella. Just uh, type in InnovativeCompanies.com for all of your residential, commercial, industrial needs. He's a tremendous human being, great friend, um, friend to all, and is more importantly a man of his word. That's InnovativeCompanies.com. To our friends over at Adam Smokehouse, they bring us the Live from Inner Arena segment each and every week. Dennis always has an interesting opinion. Um, I'd be curious to hear what he has for us today. Um, you know, a, a, a loss that, uh, again, like the, like the time before, you know, did we leave points on the table? I think last night we left some points on the table again. I'm curious to hear what Dennis has to say. Let's hear what he's got for us this week on Live from Minner Arena. Take it away. Hey, thanks, guys. This is Dennis Minner coming live from Minner Arena. And we are brought to you by the one and only Adam Smokehouse. And you know what? You could go there right now today even with all this snow outside, and you could grab you an entire case of cayenne cranberry barbecue sauce and hand it out to all your friends and family at Thanksgiving, put it in their stocking for Christmas, do whatever. It is literally the best barbecue sauce I have ever had in my life. You can also go ahead and pre-order uh, some turkey and sides and all that. Let Adam Smokehouse do all the work for you this Thanksgiving, and you just sit back and enjoy all that food. So, um, yeah, last night we played uh, the Blackhawks uh, again for the 734th time this season. Let this sink in a little bit to tell you how weird the NHL schedule is this year. We don't play the Blackhawks again until Major League Baseball has started. So uh, we won't see those guys again until April. Um just so you know, this is getting ready to be my pissed off segment where uh, I, I don't think I've come off the rails really uh, at all this season yet, um, but the wheels are loose and, uh, uh, and, and the teeth are getting knocked out. And speaking of that, last night, if you missed it, Tarasenko literally left everything out on the ice, uh, including a tooth. Uh, he got a high stick right in the mouth, uh, and a few seconds later you see him skating over and picking up his tooth uh, if that would have been an NBA player, he would have been out for six weeks. But guys, we lost. The score was only one to nothing, and we lost without the Blackhawks scoring a goal. And as you can imagine, you guessed it, Oliver of Brady Bunch scored the only goal. Some of you all will get that reference. J-Bo scored on our goal. Yes, it was a fluke, and uh, I, I get it. It could have been anybody, but it wasn't anybody. It was J-Bo. I'm sick and tired of this crap going on. Uh, then we've got Coach Yo that said this. Just sit down, guys. Take hold. Let Jesus take the wheel because this is what Yo has the nerve to tell us. It's not fair to expect him, a guy that's played for Team Canada, won gold medals. It's not fair after what he's gone through last year to expect him to be at that level. We have to do everything we can to help get him back to that level. Let me tell you something, Coach Yo and Armstrong or whoever. This is a team sport if you all haven't figured that out. What isn't fair, let me tell you what isn't fair, Coach. It's the money that us fans are paying for this pure, absolute garbage. I, I don't get it. What isn't fair uh, is win or lose. We used to be a team that fans and other teams hated to face. We were raw. We were gritty. I loved, I loved hearing on Twitter and from friends, uh, all of my hockey buddies would talk about how mean and tough the Blues were. Well, what isn't fair anymore is that we're now nothing but a soft team. Um, our coach wants to be fair and continue to play J-Bo when everything stats will show you. When J-Bo's on the ice, 
we are losing. I'm telling you right now, Jake Allen had a great game last night. The problem is we all know that he has a confidence issue. If his confidence is up, he's going to play well. Well, guess what? If his confidence is not going to be high, it's definitely going to be low when Jabo is out there. Um, I, I, I just don't get it. I, I, was, I was so furious last night when that happened and just could not get it out of my head. Um, I knew there was no way I was going to record this last night because how pissed off I was going to be. Um, but, but, you know, I, I don't know what's going on. I don't know if this is, uh, if this is a, a yo issue uh, or if this is Army playing yo like a puppet. But what I do know is that we as fans, we as a city deserve better than this. Um, these guys put together a team uh, that should on paper be unbelievable, and we are one of, by far, one of the worst teams in the entire NHL with about 20% of the season now gone. Let this sink in for a little bit. This season in the Central Division, and everyone knows, anyone that knows anything about hockey knows the Central Division is probably one of the toughest divisions out there. We have won one game, all right? That's one game out of eight. We're one, four, and three. That's five points out of 16 possible points. Next week, get ready for this because we're facing Nashville twice and Winnipeg. Wow. Um, Two guys, no cup uh, on Twitter had this stat. We have not beaten another Central Division team other than the Blackhawks since February. We are 3-13-3. There is something wrong. There is something wrong with this team big time from the inside. We've all known it. Something's got to be fixed. I don't know what it's going to take, but I am finally at the breaking point. Uh, I'm getting annoyed. I'm getting tired of this garbage. Um, yeah, so who knows? Anyway, hey, make me happy. Go follow us on Twitter, at Minner Arena. Uh, you'll hear some of my uh, generic hot takes out there, and you can uh, go back and forth with me. But don't forget Adam Smokehouse. Go check them out before Thanksgiving. I'm telling you, you will not be sorry. Uh, and until then, let's go Blues. Great stuff, as always, from Dennis. And we want to thank uh, our friends at Adam Smokehouse, of course, on Watson Road, uh, home of the, the best barbecue in St. Louis, in my personal opinion. Um, I can't tell you enough about it. Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, open till 7. All your catering needs can be handled with Adam Smokehouse and, of course, now delivering. Um, but for tremendous food, for tremendous experience, Adam Smokehouse on Watson Road. Tell Mike we said hello. Um, you know, Dennis always, you know, keeps it honest, keeps it real, gives you his thoughts, and we appreciate him. He's a, he's a Blues fan just like you and I, um, and uh, we thank him for his continued contributions to the show. Uh, won't be long. We'll be planning our Minner Arena experience as uh, – as usually we start doing that sometime after the uh, the Thanksgiving holiday once the guy's schedules become a little more clear. So I'm um, looking forward to that as well. But, again, he's just a great fan, and I know you guys enjoy his segment here on Blues NHL Podcast. To all of our, uh, all of our fans out there, I can't thank you enough for your continued support. Um, I uh, look forward to seeing you next week. Hopefully we can talk about some Blues wins. If not, well, we'll just keep trying to figure it out and go back to the drawing board. For all of us here at Blues NHL Podcast, let's go Blues!